we're rolling, huh? All right. I am Rich Wilson from Death by Bungie here on Talking with Bungie, the Death by Bungie podcast. And with me is my favorite hunting companion. Your only hunting companion, really. Pretty much. Pretty yeah. much my only one. But little Miss Genevieve. From um, Second Life Taxidermy. From Second Life Taxidermy. <laughs> That's a pretty busy thing for you. Yeah. In fact, we're doing taxidermy-related stuff right now, aren't we? Yep. Tell the friends of Bungie listening to this what we are doing. So, I don't actually tan my own hides in-house. I take them to a tannery. And a few times a year in the winter, they send a truck up in our state, into our part of the country. And... We can turn over our hides then instead of having to ship them out to the tannery. These are real big boxes, shipping kind yeah, of your pain. Yeah. Now, also, is this just something that you do, or is this something that pretty much all tanks are? Nope. Do? This everybody that uses this tannery in the whole area comes to these meetups. Yeah. So yeah. we're down here for these kinds of things. This is what the fourth time we've done this this year. The third time this year. I think it's the fourth okay. time total we've done it. Okay. Yeah, last year we stored them all up and went down one yeah. So this time as the heights come in, you tell them a little bit about the process. What do you and other taxidermists do when the hide comes in? So people normally just drop off the deer caped out either from the butcher shop or they do it themselves. But it's got the skull still in the deer and just a big chunk of skin on the back that we got to clean up. But we got to skin it down the head too. And then after that, we take all the meat and the fat off. That's called fleshing. And we cure it using salt so it's all dried out and stiff like a board. That way you can chip it to the tannery easier and you don't have to keep it cold. And again, this is something pretty much all taxidermists go through this process. Yeah, yeah. And pretty much all of them in this day and age use a tannery for this kind of work. Most of us do, yeah. But there might be a few out there that still tan the hides in-house. Yeah, yeah. It seems like it's more of a southern thing. I see a lot of Texas taxidermists do it still. Really? Yeah. Why is that, I wonder? Just because probably they have so many of them. It's kind of a year-round thing for them, so they just keep working them through a bit. Oh, okay. All right, we're going to turn that we're off. back in cell service, it's Oh, like. apparently, <laughs> yeah, the phone was... We were doing our uh, directions on the phone here and listening to some music, and then we went out of cell service, so it stopped playing a Motley Crue song. That's kind of funny. So, pretty much everybody up here, though, does this, uses a tannery that's located where? They are in Michigan. So, they all these hides are going on this tractor trailer out there. And to sort of paint the picture, we go to this location, and we, we'll be there, and a lot of other taxidermists will be there. We have to wait our turn and all that stuff. But essentially, all the boxes of hides are pre-marked by you yep. and placed on this tractor trailer, and they make their way off to Michigan. Yeah. And then you get them back through the mail. Yes. And you are paying them ahead of time for the mailing and the whole bit. Right? Yep, they send you a bill. Yeah. yeah. Pretty cool. So we'll be doing that today, and this is our trip. And it's kind of a fun trip for me because I'm Genevieve's driver. I really don't have any obligation here <laughs> other than to make sure my little girl is safe. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty important <laughs> to me to make sure Genevieve's safe and everything. Not that you couldn't do this on your own. You certainly could. But it looks... To me, it's a good opportunity, and I will take advantage of any of these opportunities to spend a little bit more time with my daughter and get in a truck and go for a drive. Plus, there's a McDonald's down. I was just going to say, <laughs> I know that's so why I, you're coming. I get to, that's not the only reason. I do enjoy the, the whole time. We get to talk about some stuff, 
and catch up and talk about things we haven't talked about or, or talk about hunting and make some hunting plans. And that's actually what we're going to talk about now is we're going to do a, a uh, podcast now. And a theme is what? Changing things up. Yeah, mixing yeah. it up a little bit. A little <laughs> keeping the excitement going, right? Taxidermy is an exciting thing. You can't just... Man does not live by crossbows alone. We kind of do. It's like the, the still the driving force for yeah. all of my <laughs> my leisure activity. It's it's the most fun thing that I do in terms of non-working things, right? And I get to spend time with my family doing it. We appreciate that. We appreciate the food that we get out of it. Let's talk about mixing it up, though. What have you been doing outdoor-related stuff here recently? All right, I'm setting the stage for this. Recently, here we're recording this video on February February fifth. 2024 but uh, and I think this relates to some of the highs that you're sending in tell us what's going on I have actually gotten into trapping a little bit trapping okay yeah I remember we trapped raccoons when I was a kid but I don't really have any exposure to it outside of that right yeah I did my own I went through a trapping phase and bought a whole bunch of traps and have since sold them I know a little bit about it I have a great appreciation for it, but I'm one of those guys that if, if I spend, if I dilute my efforts too much and spend too much of my time doing various things, I don't get as good at the one thing as I want to get. And for me, crossbow hunting is where I just kind of, all my outdoor energy goes into crossbow hunting. So that that's where I kind of got out of the trapping. But tell them a little bit about what you did this year. I kind of started from scratch. I bought all my own traps. Again, I'm just using regular dog-proof raccoon traps. And I went out and bought the marshmallows and cat food. That was kind of funny, putting those up on the counter. <laughs> <laughs> and you used them? How'd you use them? You just scatter a little bit of dry cat food outside the pipe of the trap. And I learned to not use wet cat food. Yes. Because that's a mess, as you can imagine. <laughs> and it freezes, too. Yes. Yeah which can interfere with the traps. Describe these traps, tell them how these traps work. A dog-proof trap is handy because if you live in an area where you're worried about, for instance, your dog getting into the traps, it's a little metal pipe and it's only about an inch and a half in diameter, I'd say, but a dog can't physically put its paw down in the trap. And but a raccoon can. Yes, and so can possums, but mostly raccoons like these traps because they got a little peg down in the bottom that they have to pull up on and that trigger is what actually catches the foot down in the trap. So everything, the whole trap mechanism is down in the pipe and that way you're pretty much just ensuring that you'll only catch raccoons with it. So you load them up, put the cat food around it to entice them into the area. Yep. Put a little more dry cat food down in this tube you're talking about. Yes. And, and then, then what do you do with the marshmallows? You eat them? <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. But <laughs> That's what I did. Yeah. The one time I was out helping you, yeah, I had handful of marshmallows by the time you're done. <laughs> you gotta make sure they're good. Well right? you're not gonna catch any raccoons stale <laughs> marshmallows. I don't think they're too picky though. I don't think they're too picky. <laughs> really what's the purpose of the marshmallow? The marshmallow just gets their attention more because if they smell the cat food then they'll come in and they'll eat the cat food but they won't really investigate the pipe too much. So you stick a marshmallow on top of the pipe that way they see the little white thing sticking out of the ground they're like oh what's in here and they just gotta stick their hand down in that hole they really want to after that <laughs> now you at the beginning you had a rough run of it i had great success on this one little tree line of hemlocks down there when i was using those traps one time i took you down here 
when you're a little kid, and I had actually trapped three raccoons. Yeah. I did a video about that and everything. But three all in one fell swoop right through on that exact same spot. Uh, so I got a triple in one night. And that's pretty much, you know, for me, that was like, wow. Guess I'm awesome. done. All done, yeah. yeah. And we ate them. I don't think I did anything with the hides. I think I had them, the hides. I pulled them aside and froze them, thinking I was going to do something with them. Eventually, we threw them away because I looked into it, and just the price of sending them somewhere was because you got to freeze them and all that. With yeah. you, it's different. This stuff that you are doing taxidermy with today is all salted and everything else. Yeah. So it's preserved. Yeah. It can doesn't have to be frozen necessarily. So. But we ate them back. I was like 10. Back. This was way before my tax. Right, 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 right. Yeah, this is way back, right? So, and it's been that long, you know, we're talking yeah. over a decade yeah. since I've done this or so. So now, you you had a rough run of it. You didn't catch them. I was having terrible luck. Yeah, you weren't catching any, but somebody ate a marshmallow. Something was taking the marshmallows off the top of the traps, but not eating the cat food, not tripping the trap, not knocking it over or anything. What do we think that was? I think it was the coyotes. Now, why do you think that? Tell them about the coyote in interactions. That particular <laughs> interactions, yeah. That particular strip of land that we were trapping on back in the day is right along. Really bumpy. Now we're rerouting. Continue on US 220 South for 25 miles. Okay, we can do that. Anyway. The trapping location is right alongside of a big swamp on one end of the property and back in the day you could catch them all night long. Day after day after day you could always catch raccoons there. So I figured that was a good spot because we had so much luck in the past but I would go every day I would get up bright and early and check these traps and nothing was ever in them but the marshmallows were gone. Always. And the final night that I went down there before I moved the traps I went down, it was almost dark, and I was just gonna pull them and send them somewhere else. And I started, I was down there and it was almost dark, and I started to hear what sounded like a dog whining. It sounded just like a dog, and at first I was like, oh, someone's dog is lost down in the swamp somewhere. And then I was thinking, I'm like, yeah, there's no dogs down here. <laughs> but they were close enough that I could hear them making little soft sounds to each other. There was four or five of them, probably. That was pretty scary. Yeah. So, and they were just on the other side of the hemlocks in the open in that, in that swampy area. Yeah. They were 40 yards is all probably. Yeah. They were really close. They were howling when I was leaving. Yeah. So you, yeah. I mean, you, you heard coyote howling. Yeah. Yeah. Confirm <laughs> that. But that also would make sense as to why if they're really active in that area right then, you're not going to have good success with oh, sure. animals on the ground, right? Yeah. Because of that. So. You switched it up a little bit, right? Yeah. You mixed it up a little bit. You took the traps and reset them in another location. And now you've got to check these traps quite regularly. Yeah. That's an yeah. important thing. We don't leave animals out there. The last thing you want is some poor raccoon to get caught in your trap. And before you check the trap, he gets eaten by coyotes or something. Yeah, That's not yeah. something that we want to encourage. So you put them up closer to the house. Yeah. Uh, to my old house where I grew up. And uh, in an open, what was this like, Maples? Yeah, it was near the Ridge Staging food plot. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And finally, some success. Yeah. yeah. It wasn't one. It wasn't one that I was expecting to get one in. Really, it was a blown down log that Dad had suggested I hook one to. 
and I ended up getting a huge raccoon. Well, that's I right. Could, that was the first one, the real big one. I could barely carry that thing out. It was so big. The picture <laughs> was just gorgeous. This is a full coat. He was so big, his tail looked small. Yeah, he had a stumpy little tail. <laughs> yeah, he was like a 25-pounder probably. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. He, was just, he was huge. So what would you do with that one? I skinned it up just a regular, I tube skinned it basically so there's no incision down the back. Yep. And I am going to have that soft hand and I'm going to send that out to an artist out west who makes hats out of them. Yep, so you're going to have your own raccoon. Trapper hat, it's called. You're getting a trapper hat. Yep. And what's that look like? <laughs> it's got the flaps of fur down over the sides. You can tie them up over your head if you want to. But it looks kind of classy. Yeah. You know, it's not like your what you would imagine a coonskin hat looking like. It won't really. have the tail. It'll have the tail, but oh. it's flat down the side of the hat, the back. I mean, yeah, and it doesn't hang down at all. It's pretty artistic looking. It's flat down the down the back. Does it hang down below the hat? Nope. Oh, so it's on the hat. Yeah, it's part of the hat, basically. Interesting. Yeah. Oh, maybe I want one like that. <laughs> all right, so that's cool. So you got this giant raccoon and we've eaten these raccoons too that stuff we posted that thing tasted book. great yeah we actually did really good on it. well the smoker goes a long way with just about yeah. anything but um, that one was it was really good i wish we had eaten it not in chili that was the downside of it sometimes some things that are like you got that smoky flavor the meat was great if we just eaten it for dinner it would have been fantastic and then i used it in chili and it was like not a good chili flavor it was too yeah. or of course, but, I also had strep throat, so I couldn't really eat it. Oh, but yeah, that's right. That's right. I about that. Yeah, that was rough. <laughs> and another one you caught. Now he'd been in a fight or something. These were both boars. You caught two. Yes, give the two whole boars. Story away, yeah. Rich. But you, you basically <laughs> caught two boars. Then the second one was smaller, and he had been beat up. Yeah, he had kind of a scar on the one side. You wouldn't necessarily want to make it into a hat because it'd been rubbed a little bit. Yeah. So this one I'm going to be mounting. Yeah. So you put that side to the wall or something. Yeah, yeah. But that'll be a nice thing for your shop, for your, uh, you know, show. It's a very pretty one. Yeah. Yeah. Only show piece. You do a good job on those. The one that we trapped, you and I trapped in a live trap 100 years ago. This is going back when you're, even before I started trapping with, with footholds and with mm -hmm. dogproof traps and all the other stuff. The one that we trapped way back in the day was uh, a whole different... Uh, like that was an alive trap, box trap, and that one uh, we got mounted, and that's on the wall in the trophy. Oh yeah, that's that. Yeah. One. So pretty cool. Now when we talk about mixing stuff up too, right? And this is the time of year to do that kind of thing because our crossbow seasons are over, the freezers are yeah. full. Oh yeah. People like me <laughs> have shot a couple of nice bucks and put them on the wall. Two in one year, man. I'm like bragging about that. I'm pretty <laughs> proud of that. So, like, I don't normally have that kind of success. So, when you do, boy, you spike that football. You know what I'm saying? You remind everybody about what good luck you had this year. And it's not just luck. It's skill, right? Uh, and to some extent, it's a little bit of both. So, yeah. had the hunting seasons are over. Crossbow season's over. Now we're looking forward to spring gobbler. Maybe another little trip here in the, in the meantime. Maybe a spring bear hunt, stuff like that. But I was sitting in my office, and my daughter came into my office and showed me something that she had just bought at the courthouse. What was that? I bought my fishing license. Right. It's my first fishing license. Now tell us about that. What, why, what on earth possessed you to take an interest in fishing? I have no idea. <laughs> a little backstory. I grew up fishing. I spent a lot more time in my life fishing early on than hunting. You know, 
part of that's because you can fish all summer long and hunting season when I was growing up in the 80s was primarily rifle season which meant a day or two off of school and a couple of Saturdays and that was about it so that was the extent of my hunting I never did the small game so much I did a little bit of squirrel hunting that kind of thing but that was really all my hunting was when we move on to crossbow seasons as you're older now I you know I really extend my season that's one of the reasons I got into a crossbow in the first place that just makes sense. A lot of people think that same way. When we look at fishing, though, that was if there was good weather, I was out fishing. And sometimes I even went ice fishing with my friends, that kind of thing. So I have that history of that. But what possessed you to, why do you want to get into that or try it out? I'm very excited about it. Mm -hmm. It's just another outdoor activity for me. You know, I do kind of get tired of doing <coughs> only taxidermy all summer long. <laughs> you don't want to just do that. But you can't hunt during the summer. Right, pretty much. So. <laughs> Woodchucks or something. So we do have, where we live, the Susquehanna River. And I think that is a great resource. It's a great place to fish. And if I can get you on some catfish, we'll do that. Maybe some smallmouth. You can get a boat, maybe float down. I don't know. Do something like that. Do some floating. Uh, the other thing to do, that has walleyes, it has muskies, it has pike, uh, and a bunch of other stuff, I guess. When we look at what else? When we look at the creeks, smallmouth bass in the creek, that's a lot of fun. So there's lots of fishing opportunities. And there's all the ponds and lakes and stuff around here, too. You can still fish on those. There's actually state game lands with ponds and lakes. Did you know yeah, that? Yeah. yeah. No motor boats, but you can put a regular boat on there. So we got lots of little options like that that we can explore. And if you like it, we'll maybe we'll buy a boat or something. I don't know. I wouldn't go so far as to say I want a boat. <laughs> man, I was hoping you did. You just want an excuse to get a boat. I, I really do. Man, I, I wanted, I had a boat years ago, loved it, um, but it wasn't really the right boat. You need a jet boat if you're going to be on that river. There's too many rocks. That kind I of almost thing, so. fell out of that thing. Yeah. Well, that was just because I was learning how to drive it and all that good stuff, but it's all good. I think if, we'll see how you like it, right? We'll get the gear around. Yeah, yeah. But, so that was fun. And then what else are we doing to mix it up? Hunting will be back upon us before you know it, though. The fall will be here at some point. Now, this year, you and I were talking about trying something a little different with our Maryland hunts. Usually, we go down there and shoot some white-tailed deer. And this year, we've got so much venison. Like, venison is not in short supply in our household. We have probably, uh, if anything, overabundance We have way more it. than we need. <laughs> yeah, I, we're going to be making a lot more specialty meats and stuff. We're going to have to devote a couple of weekends to that down the road here to up some more of that but um but i'm loving what we did because we got steaks made this year got a lot of more ground this year so i've been having the recipes we got the blackstone griddle where we've been cooking we got stuff hot up. dogs too and we got hot dogs made that was they turned out uh, fantastic so we have that as another option so we've got these various different options but what are we going to do this year to spice up hunting a little bit in the fall i'm going to try seek a deer hunting I think that's a good plan. That's right. So I had done it years ago, went down there, well back a few years, went down, seek a deer or a small elk-like deer creature. A stag. Thing. A stag yeah. or a hind, I think they're called. Yeah. And they are out there in the middle of the swamp. They're an invasive species that is huntable. There's a huntable population, free-ranging population of these little deer that run around in the swamp. And it's pretty rough conditions. It's pretty rugged terrain. It is frag grass, right? Real tall grass over your head. It's like 12 feet or something. 12 feet, like <laughs> that, yeah. And it's just tough sub it all throughout these swampy, 
areas, most of the time they're in water. They're sitting in water, standing in water, sleeping in water, um, you know, or depending on the tide, when the tides in or out, that just determines how much water there is. Very little hard ground, but there's some. And go down here and battle the mosquitoes and see if we can get on some sea here. Oh, I can't wait for that. <laughs> it took me two trips to get one. It was this. This is no. It was a tough, tough thing, and uh, but I think I think it's going to be a fun hunt. I think it'll be a lot of fun I'm to excited. do. Yeah, I think it's yeah. going to be a good opportunity, and I think it's something you should do. And they're very small, not a lot of freezer space, so it's like we if you shoot if, if between the two of us we shoot a couple of them, it's not like it's going to take up too much freezer yeah. space either. Because I am going on a bear hunt, and I don't want to end up with a bear have no freezer space left over for deer in the fall and then what i think i do is focus our deer hunting efforts on pennsylvania primarily so that's that's my version of mixing it up so how's that be fun yeah there you go well that's pretty cool so our next step here is to see if we can make it down here to to the uh, tannery truck meet those folks get that all taken care of and eat some mcdonald's eat some mcdonald's food go home and see what your mother's up to how's that there you go. That's a good plan. That's a good plan. We'll watch more Netflix. What are we doing at the Mix It Up on Netflix? What are we doing I these am days? watching The Walking Dead for the first time in 2024. That's what I'm doing. She's never seen it before. I think as a kid, I think, or not as a kid, but maybe a few years back, you were, before you were an adult, I showed you like the first episode because I think that's really just a great piece of zombie. Yeah, the horse media. through the... I won't spoil anything, but... All right, yeah, yeah. first episode. But... Now we're up to, what, season six or something like that? Yeah. And then for those of you who are familiar with The Walking Dead, I'm probably going to bail once we get a good taste of Negan. <laughs> I think he's one of the greatest uh, characters in TV history, but that show really went downhill after he got mostly season or two in, so I probably won't finish the series with you. But it's been fun to rewatch this bunch of it. Mostly we just make fun of Daryl. <laughs> oh, and his crossbow etiquette. Tell him about the crossbow etiquette problems. <laughs> We're kind of crossbow snobs, but he holds his thumb over the rail. And the whole hand sometimes. Yeah, like the whole hand like over the rail. Weird. He walks yeah. around with a cocked with no arrow in it constantly. Well, so we are talking about some crossbow related <laughs> stuff. In it's here. relevant. What's, yeah, what's uh, what's the models? You've looked them up. Um, Striker. Striker, that's the cool one. Yeah. I like the color of that one. He's got an old Horton, too, an in the beginning. Horton. That's what it was. Yeah. Like, so he's, he's, he's had multiple... Yeah. Crossbows, right? There's not like a a, a bungee for Daryl. Right? No. It's more of a Daryl family of crossbows, kind of like the bungee family of crossbows, maybe. Something like yeah, that. Yeah, something like that. Sounds good. All right, Genevieve. Until next time. All hail bungee. There you go.